Hello, and welcome to The Summit, the podcast where we bring you knowledge and insights from industry leaders and professionals. Today, I'm with my good friend, Rob Bunting of Cincinnati Eye Marketing Group, a 22-year industry professional in digital marketing and 16 years on his own managing millions of dollars worth of Google Ads. Today's topic was we're going to talk about the changes that Google has made to their cookie policy and what this means for you. Rob, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kyle. Happy to be here. And we're excited to have you. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is your this is your second time on the show. Yeah, first time we talked about you know the things you needed to know for pay per click, and we want to mm-hmm. leverage your many many years in the industry to tell us uh, what's going on with Google. So, what's your what's your hot take here? The hot take, and we're talking about Google's. Uh, announcement a couple of weeks ago that they're going to be dropping or blocking third-party cookies from their Chrome browser in uh, 2022, two years on. So understanding what a a third-party cookie is or a first-party cookie. So uh, cookies are used uh, like when you save your password in a website, it uses a cookie to do that. So first-party cookies get stored on uh, your device, your phone, or your computer when you visit a website, it might store things like your password or items that you viewed on e-commerce site, things like that. that. Third party cookies are advertisers, ad networks, or external content providers that are cooking you. Uh, So when you go to site A, you might show up on site B and there might be cookies from your interaction on site A and that's how advertisers can track you and show you ads based on your browsing history, or interests, things you've searched on, uh, stuff of that nature. So, all right. So you, you've given us a good definition of what cookies are and how they're mm-hmm. tracking. Um, what was the what was the official announcement Google made? They made that they're going to end all third party cookies. Is that right? In in the Chrome web browser by 2022. So Chrome is the world's most popular web browser. Uh, Safari from Apple. And Mozilla Firefox have already blocked third-party cookies. And since Google controls the largest market share, this is really going to put a big damper on third-party cookies overall. So over the next two years, marketers have to figure out other ways to track people other than third-party cookies. And many of the different online advertising uh, vehicles or targeting methods that exist today won't work if they're based on third-party cookies at that time, 2022. So when we say third-party cookies, um, what's the difference between a third-party and a first-party cookie as it relates to how Google might classify that? Can you, can you share a little sure. bit of insight on that? So, yeah, so again, first-party cookie, if you're logged into a certain site, and this is kind of where Google, it, 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 in some ways it benefits Facebook, or at least a lot of people in the industry think it will. Um, a first party cookie, let's say I go to xyz.com. Well, xyz, whatever it might be, cron.com, cincinnati.com, usatoday.com, espn.com, whatever. Uh, if I go to espn.com, ESPN might cookie me. Like I might have a, a login and password for ESPN so that they can, I can follow all my favorite teams, especially. And uh, in, in ESPN's world, that helps them give you content on ESPN.com that more matches your interests. If, but it, let's say an advertiser wants to advertise on ESPN.com. They're a third party. They don't necessarily have a relationship with a person who's logged in and has an account at ESPN.com. So if, uh, if 
I can run a third party. If I ESPN allows third party cookies, that enables me to advertise on ESPN.com as a third party. I might be Coca-Cola and I might have a third party cookie that says that uh, Kyle is a Chiefs fan and uh, or, or maybe um, uh, what is it? A FanDuel uh, or um, Fanatics.com. Oh, child, uh, Kyle's a Chiefs fan, so Fanatics might say, let's serve Chiefs banners to Kyle because he's a Chiefs fan, even while he's on ESPN.com. So you maybe have never purchased anything from Fanatics before, but Fanatics wants you to buy some Chiefs stuff to prepare for the Super Bowl. So they're going to target you with a Chiefs-related ad, ad on ESPN.com. So that's how third-party cookies work versus first-party cookies. If ESPN served the ad to you on ESPN.com, They'd be doing so with a first-party cookie. If Fanatics did, that'd be like a, they're using a third-party cookie to target the ad to you. I think I think this is this is something that for a lot of people is is challenging to wrap their head around because they're like, well, right. If if Mozilla, Firefox, and Safari have already made this change, and Google is now announcing that it's going to take another three years for them to make the change, like, what is it that's really the net positive benefit for me? As, as a consumer, mm-hmm. question one. And question two, the follow-up question to that is, is how is it really going to impact my day-to-day operations for, for my business, wherever it's at? Okay. Well, I think there's been a lot of articles in the press, and, and that's just it. I think you're right. A lot of people have their hard time, particularly in the general public, getting their head around this. Or they, they I think it's kind of common knowledge now that there's these things called cookies that are on your computer, and this is how Google and other companies are tracking you. And understandably, there have been a lot of consumer privacy advocates that have been saying, oh, whoa, you know, these companies know too much about me. And this is an invasion of my privacy to have such targeted ads that identify me as an individual person. And some people may feel it's kind of creepy. There are benefits to cookies, obviously, but a lot of people are just trying from a consumer privacy standpoint. It's, it's just thinking uh, some of these companies have gotten too perhaps good at targeting people directly. So they maybe need to rein it in a little bit. Uh, unfortunately, some of the alternatives might be even more evasive or invasive than third party cookies. Yeah. So, so that, mm-hmm. that, that's interesting. So before we answer the back half of that question, let's, let's yep. talk a little bit about the things that you, you think might be um, dangerous. Like, what could be more dangerous than a cookie for your privacy? Well, fingerprinting uh, is, is part of the technology or packet sniffing. And again, I'm not a, a coder developer guy. What but, is that? Uh, fingerprinting is when uh, ad providers get access to imp- uh, a user's information, such as what device they have, what fonts they have installed. So in other words, uh, and, and a lot of this information is in Google Analytics, for example. Uh, right now, you're on a certain model of computer You've got all your browser settings set at a certain amount, your IP address. So um, fingerprinting could uh, allow websites um, or advertisers, they could identify a lot more about you than even just cookies do. Even if you're blocking off cookies or delete them on a regular basis, you can't delete your fingerprint. You can't clear it. So uh, sites can actually track somebody without really their consent or, and, and there's really no way uh, to, to opt out of it. So you can, you can uh, a person can set their cookie settings at certain levels, but they can't 
unfingerprint themselves. And then there's deep packet inspection. So uh, again, if you think about brat, and again, I'm, I'm not a technical guy, but I just understand this at a very basic level, but uh, you know, different internet service providers like Verizon can modify users' data packets and covertly track people around the internet without letting them know or letting them opt out. Just by, again, looking at the technical background of, of who's coming in and understanding things about your machine that you can't really hide, what type of computer you're on, your IP address and stuff like that. Wow, so, so we go from third-party tracking, which you said to a degree we control, to Big Brother mm -hmm. and not really have any control yeah. over what, what people are seeing. Mm -hmm. uh, from a from a from a from a shift here, though, it mm -hmm. seems like Google is trying to just get in line with what everybody else is doing. What's what's Microsoft and Bing to, doing? To some extent, well, um, well, Microsoft has a browser. It's funny you asked that. I just read an article this morning. So Microsoft, of course, has Microsoft Office, and there's Microsoft free, uh, Office three sixty five. Well, the 365 Pro Plus uh, version of the software, which competes with Google's G Suite of products, uh, just a couple days ago, uh, in Office 365 Pro Plus, it was automatically changing people's default search engine from Google to Bing in the software. So that's kind of, it, again, we've, we've seen before where Microsoft, uh, years and years ago, of course, was sued for putting making Internet Explorer the default browser in Windows and Netscape back then and said, that's not fair, that's, that's uncompetitive. So now, I mean, it's, it's, it's literally, uh, in, if, you have to, if you're using Office 365 Pro Plus, it's kind of designed to work with Bing, so it's changing people's default search engine to Bing. Uh, and then now IT companies have been scrambling the past few days to try and change that back and, and undo it. So um, there's different ways, that's one way to do it is just, again, change somebody's computer outside of cookies to kind of get them to use either Google or Bing or different products. Um, Microsoft and Google are now really being referred to, pardon me, Facebook and Google in particular are being defined now as walled gardens. Way back in the late 90s, we used to talk about AOL as a walled garden. Once you were logged into the AOL service, you were kind of in AOL's universe. Well, now, obviously, if you go to Facebook.com, Facebook is serving all the ads on Facebook.com. But also, if someone is logged into Facebook on their machine, they're tracking you wherever you go because you're logged in you know, on Facebook on your machine. So they can serve you first-party cookies even if you're on another site. So Google's ad network is the biggest. Uh, Microsoft is trying to compete with that in terms of search, but also on the, on the display side. So your question of what are Microsoft and Bing doing Really, the duopoly of online advertising is not Google and Microsoft, it's Google and Facebook. But from an advertiser's perspective, that's who really dominates the industry. Well, right. I mean, the Google, Google, um, Google and Facebook dominate. <clears throat> you said something that's really interesting here. What, is this, what does this mean for third-party cookies or third-party tracking that, that folks may use for their own internal analytics or conversion pieces? Ah. Is it, what it, like? What does this mean for for tools, say like uh, marketing automation tools, like uh, Salesforce Marketing Cloud well, or HubSpot or some, some of these others? How any of those things that are cookie based, and one of the big keys I think affects like you and me and some of our clients, and we've worked together, everybody, just so you know, 
Uh, so I'm kind of familiar with some of Kyle's clients. Uh, Multi-touch attribution is, is much harder if you block third-party cookies. So if you think about if someone sees an ad and then makes a purchase, a lot of times people go through more than one step or more than one visit to a website to make a purchase. So someone might do a search, they might, and then uh, they might sign up for a newsletter later, they might see a banner. So trying to attribute the actual sale to the source gets a lot harder without third-party cookies. Uh, one of the things, for example, banner or display advertisers, uh, I mentioned your example earlier of going to ESPN.com and seeing a banner from Fanatics to purchase Chiefs items. So if, if, if you deal away with third-party cookies and you click on that ad, uh, Fanatics might have a harder time tracking that to the source without a third-party cookie. They wouldn't know which ad campaign was the actual ad that you saw. So if you see a banner, don't click on it, but then visit Fanatics two days later and purchase, that's called a view-through conversion instead of a click-through conversion because you viewed the banner. Well, that type of attribution of display campaigns is gone without 30-party cookies or multi-touch attribution, particularly for business-to-business -business advertisers. People may come to a website three or four times before they actually convert. And if you, you know, wipe out third-party cookies, it, it's much harder to track, okay, we know we got a lead, but which ad did it come from? And this affects advertisers of all sizes. Um, and one, one entity that we haven't really talked about yet is publishers. So think about uh, a, a newspaper. Uh, newspapers mostly rely on third-party ad networks to sell their advertising. They can sell some of it themselves. Uh, and a lot of journalists have come out and said, uh, this is really tough. So uh, Laura Bassett, who's a journalist who's written for a number of uh, top magazines, GQ and others, she put out a tweet the day this was announced and uh, it said, uh, quote, Google eliminating third-party cookies is devastating for news publishers ad revenue at a time when the journalism business model is already in crisis. When Firefox did it in Germany, publisher revenue dropped 15%. This can't happen. Hashtag save journalism. And that may sound melodramatic and kind of, you know, alarmist, but I, I think it's absolutely right. I think uh, news, news publishers and other um, journalists, bloggers, a lot of their money comes from ad networks. So uh, it, this, this could be really devastating because advertisers are going to be less likely to want to advertise on these sites if they can't track the, the performance of those campaigns. Specifically, <clears throat> the view through you're talking through, right? Because if I convert on that side, I can track that. Sure, surely. Well, that's <clears throat> click, click the conversion too, and just multi-touch <laughs> attribution. Because uh, again, if uh, again using the fanatics example, if uh, ESPN, you consider that a publisher. You could consider that a news site, right? Or or cron.com or cincinnati.com, usatoday.com. If if it makes it harder for fanatics to figure out what ad led to a sale. They might be less likely if, if that news, let's say uh, uh, the local newspaper is showing ads from Critio and Critio is using a lot of third party cookies and therefore, or if you're doing a retargeting campaign through Critio, let's say, so, let's say you went to Fanatics and you looked at Chief stuff, but you didn't buy. And then you see a, uh, a banner the next day from Fanatics that says now 15% off Chief's merchandise, click here. And if you were to click and go through, 
That's what we call a remarketing or retargeting banner. Uh, if Critio can't cookie you anymore, they can't serve you that banner and it kind of wipes out that kind of campaign. So, and that's why the day this came out a couple weeks ago, Critio, which is one of the leading uh, ad networks that competes with Google, in two days, their stock dropped 24% and hit a 52 week low because uh, this announcement that Google was dropping third party cookie support. So it could really devastate a lot of other competing ad networks and the companies that use them. And it forces a lot of us marketers and advertisers to spend more on Google if there are, or Facebook, the few big ad networks that are left. A lot of the smaller ad networks are, are in trouble in that case. From a, I'm a site owner. I'm a person mm -hmm. who, you know, uses cookies uh, to deploy on my site. What does this impact? What, what impact does this have for me technically? Or will the cookies just supposedly stop or it, do we know? If first party cookies are not affected, first party cookies are still okay. It's the third party cookies that Google's talking about doing away with. First party cookies will still exist. Sounds like sounds like it's um, it's something that we've dealt with. They're already kind of dealing with 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 the Safari browser and, and Mozilla yes. browsers specifically. Mm -hmm. um, yes, but again, because Chrome Chrome worldwide, I think Chrome has like sixty or seventy percent market share. So yes, absolutely, this has affected Safari, and uh, you know, because it's in Safari and, and Firefox. So yes. Some of these app networks, in particular, for example, Critio, have already been struggling, and this kind of accelerates that. So, yes, this isn't a totally new thing. I'm looking, you know, looking at like a five-year stock chart for Critio, and you know, about three years ago, Critio was fifty-four dollars a share. Now it's fourteen. So that gives you an idea of how, what in an in era when internet advertising is continuing to increase significantly, Critio, one of the biggest app networks stock has plummeted or gone down like 75 percent in the last three years um so yeah it just kind of exacerbates the uh, the trend in that regard it'll be it'll be really interesting to see see what shakes out and how google defines first party versus third party because i think to um to many many companies business to business or otherwise this this appears to have far-reaching impact. It'll have far-reaching impact okay. into account-based marketing. This will have far-reaching impact into uh, conversion attribution, mixed marketing, mixed modeling. This will have um, impact into, you know, uh, speed to lead or conversions to your point of retargeting, you know, leaving, leaving leads or people that are more likely to close, you know, out hanging in the balance or, you know, if you take a monopolistic or a you know um, antitrust perspective it's google doing exactly what microsoft did when they put office on every pc that came out right like it's mm -hmm. it, it's probably well intended but there are far-reaching consequences that we don't fully appreciate yet yeah i think that's exactly right um uh i uh there was a gentleman from india named Shomaran Dasgupta, he works for uh, DNIF, which is a data analytics platform based in Mumbai, India. And he mentioned that um, they don't, one thing about putting this on a, they, let me give a quote here. 
However, I'm sure that Google doesn't want to force the death of cookies too quickly thereby, and thereby attract antitrust attention, end quote. So just like you were saying there, uh, by kind of, they're trying to kind of do this in such a way that doesn't really bring in a lot of uh, antitrust uh, concerns. Because obviously there's already talk about breaking up Google and Facebook, right, out there in the, in the business world. So this would kind of, they don't want to kind of overdo it. Um, and I have a quote here from Matt Kaiser of a live intent uh, for Google, Google and YouTube is where the majority of their money comes from. And first party cookies from YouTube will be unaffected by this change End quote. So that's exactly right. When you think about doing a retargeting campaign in Google, which I, I run several, um, that's done via putting people in an audience in Google analytics and then Google can serve its ads all over its network. So they're not worried about it so much because they mostly rely on first-party cookies. It's their competitors that really rely on third-party cookies. Uh, I guess as, as marketers, we're just going to have to figure out new technologies that are not particularly invasive that help help to get around this. We, we kind of have to adapt. So it'll well, be interesting to see what, what technologies come out other than fingerprinting and packet sniffing like I talked about. Well, and, the, and the, you know, the evolution of a cookie. Cookie wasn't around 22 years ago when the internet and things you were doing first started. That was an evolution of kind of web 2.0, right? Which is this new, let's create a more personalized experience. Maybe we're headed into web 3.0. Yeah, yeah. I, again, I think things will definitely evolve. Uh, not to sound, uh, you know, maybe the sky isn't falling as poor, badly as it is for some of these ad networks and publishers, but I think they have to act fairly quickly to survive. And as that quote from the journalist mentioned, again, we've seen it. Newspapers around the country are going out of business. Uh, print circulation is obviously down for both newspapers and magazines. And a lot of news sites, uh, are they don't simply make as much money uh, from digital advertising as they did in the old print world. Uh, and anything that lessens their revenue at this time is really, really critical. A lot of newspapers around the country that haven't gone out of business have really skeleton staffs. Uh, they've really cut back their newsrooms uh, and depriving those, you know, new local and in particular local websites, local news sites, uh, is is tough. So yeah, as marketers and uh, companies that are, you know, agencies like myself that are trying to help companies of all sizes, not just large ones, figure out how to spend their ad dollars wisely and generate sales. Uh, this is going to really force us to develop some new techniques that maybe we don't have that uh, yet. And, and it'll be curious to see how it shakes out. It'll be interesting. It, it'll be very curious to see how it shakes out. Um, mm -hmm. Some of the stuff, some of the stuff that you've mentioned, you know, if you, if you spend any time thinking about fingerprinting or deep packet listening, those types of things, um, if you spend more than five minutes thinking about it, you think about the, not only the, the, um, the business implications and creativity required in order to pull that stuff off, but the um, the potential security threat and yeah. maybe additional, uh, you know, we, we live in an environment where terrorism has moved maybe from what you see in the streets to what's happening on your PC <clears throat> with more and more uh, viruses being launched at the, I met, I met a company the other day where uh, the gentleman is doing cybersecurity for manufacturing floors in the United States, okay. right? So mm -hmm. you start to think about deep packet listening 
and I can track this stuff all the way down to the machines, Bob, Bob's <laughs> handheld or, you know, the sorting machine inside the yeah. factory, <clears throat> it starts to become really interesting. Um, what the next evolution of, of security, privacy and protection is going to mean beyond just advertisers, right? It's not, mm -hmm. it's not just advertisers are going to have to think about this. It's, it's going to have big implications across, I would say the next 20 years of, of um, internet behavior. Yeah, as we've discussed, this, this, uh, this doesn't just affect advertisers and marketers like us and our clients. This affects journalists, this affects site owners. As you said, there's privacy concerns and there's been so many articles that cook, third party cookies are bad. And now it's like, well, what's the alternative? Guess what, in some cases, from a privacy standpoint, the alternative might be worse. Uh, again, you can at least adjust the browser setting, your cookie settings in your browser. You can't uh, affect your fingerprint settings or your data packet settings. So it'll be um, just kind of unintended consequences of this this push for privacy. Uh, if anything, it, it, again, it kind of, particularly since we're talking about Google, and that was the genesis of this conversation was Google's announcement. You know, they're blocking third-party cookies in Chrome. It helps them consolidate their power. I mean, they have 70% market share on desktop worldwide and 41% on mobile. Uh, it, that's uh, that's huge uh, power right there. So it's, yeah, a, it's it's a quite a bit of leverage, and it does mm -hmm. create market opportunity for other people. So I mean, it'll be it'll be interesting. You know, as one as one power grows, usually there's a opportunity for healthy competition to be introduced. I guess we'll find out. Hopefully, yeah. And again, uh, I mentioned AOL earlier. You know, when I got into the industry, AOL, half the people in America were on AOL that were online. So uh, the dot-com I was working for, we spent most of our money on AOL. Of course, AOL is no longer with us. As technology evolved, people, companies that were dominant players in 1998, some of whom are no longer with us. And who knows where Google will be five or 10 or 15 years now, from now. As dominant as Google and Facebook are right now, um, it's not an ironclad guarantee they're going to be as dominant in the future. Well, I mean, it, uh, that's both the beauty of, of American capitalism and one of the terrifying things about American capitalism. You've always got to compete yes. and you always got to find a new way to reinvent yourself. Otherwise you could go the way of the Dodo and yeah. end up like AOL, Time Warner yeah. and some of those other companies that didn't, didn't make the internet transition very well. Exactly. Well, Rob, I want to I want to thank you for being a guest today and providing some some insight. I think uh, the takeaways for me are stay vigilant and, and keep watching. Mm -hmm. uh, look for creative and new ways, and, and who knows, maybe the the answer to the third party cookie going away is a creative new way of implementing the first party. Absolutely, great job. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Thank